Welcome to Profoundly, the new podcast from Femme Foundry. I'm your host, Pip Taylor, and each week I'll be harnessing the wisdom of a one-of-a-kind global community. Profoundly is a podcast for women who want to grow, learn, connect, and thrive. We'll be bringing our Femme Foundry leaders to you who will be sharing expertise, personal stories, and advice to help you navigate every element of your life, from the professional to the very personal. There'll be no jargon, no filters, just an open, honest conversation with some brilliant guests, and I am so excited to be a part of it. With Profoundly, for the first episode, we wanted to kick off with the theme of back to life and to quote soul to soul, back to reality. As I don't know about you, but we've got that fresh new feeling. We're getting back into the office. We have more social events. I mean, can we even keep up the chat that we used to have? I know I can't. Everything's changed and we are navigating life as new. For this episode, I'm joined by journalist, broadcaster and news anchor Sarah Jane Mee. Sarah Jane's career path is a truly impressive one, carving out a stellar reputation in the male-dominated field of sports presenting before becoming the first female anchor of Sky News breakfast show Sunrise. In 2019, she took over from Kay Burley on the Sky News afternoon show, now known as the Sarah Jane Me Show, and remains one of the channel's most prominent voices. Having recently returned to work after the birth of a daughter, she's perfectly placed to tackle our big questions about getting back to life and share her insights on women in media, motherhood and everything in between. SJ, welcome to Profoundly. So SJ, for this episode, we are back to life and to quote soul to soul, back to reality. How has your reality transitioned over the past 18 months or so, would you say? Um, can I first congratulate you on not singing that line? Although I would have loved to have he- heard you sing it because how can you say that without singing back it? Back to life, back <laughs> to reality. Such a classic. Talk about start off on a good note, literally. I love that. How has my reality changed? Um, gosh, well, I think my reality was about to change, uh, pandemic or not, because around two years ago, I was single career woman, living in London. And over the course of the pandemic, I met the love of my life. I became a stepmom. Then I got engaged. Then I fell pregnant. We moved house. Have I missed anything else out? Oh, we're trying to plan a wedding. So I think even without the pandemic, my life would have changed beyond recognition the last 18 months. Um, The pandemic has probably made me slow down and appreciate it more and savour every moment because these are all big life-changing events. I feel like I've crammed all the life-changing events inside 18 months when most people spread them out over a decade. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like you've done everything that you could have possibly done in the past two years and and sort of condensed everything. It's, It's pretty amazing. And you're here to tell the tale. Have you sort of made any new self-discoveries, you would say, about yourself? Um, I feel like I have learned that I actually need very little to enjoy life. I had a really full life before this pandemic in terms of friends, family, social life, career. I, I had it all going on. There were lots of plates spinning. And like everyone, the pandemic made us drop some of those plates because we had to and I wondered how I'd cope especially during the pandemic when we decided to move out of London which I said I'd never do 
What's that quote? If you're bored of London, you're bored of life. And so my hand was forced in a way through the pandemic and through moving out of London. And I discovered that I didn't need to be out every night, out every weekend. I didn't need so much of the social aspects. I didn't need to be living in a big city. All I needed was my little family, happy home and good food. I'm sure, you know, many of us who are listening may well be back to work, maybe a career change or like you after having the gorgeous Ray. Um, How do you prep for getting back to life? What have you sort of had to do? Well, as any mum will know, coming out of maternity leave, it really is back to life, back to reality. It's a real shock, I found, especially because, well, actually, everyone had gone through it. That's what I found coming back to reality is there was solidarity with people who hadn't been on maternity leave because we'd all been on an enforced break, if you like. So I think I just took it easy on myself. I didn't really rush back it was a gradual emergence in terms of i had to get back to work i had a set start date um and i just concentrated on that because i thought right i can only handle one big thing my social life didn't really get going again until sort of six seven weeks after i got back to work because i thought i can't i can't go at everything four guns blazing because it's important just to be good to yourself and to take a bit of time and to do things properly so i really got my head back into work by doing a lot of reading watching a lot more news and and just getting in the zone really getting in the zone being overwhelmed is sort of a phrase that we are i'm sort of hearing an awful lot at the moment especially with regards to going back to work and getting back into life do have you ever had that feeling and if so how do you overcome it yeah oh completely going back to work coincided with sort of we've only we'd only just moved into this house and um my partner was opening a new business uh just so many things were happening so i didn't feel quite as together as i imagined i would be going back to work there was just so much going on and i think what i learned is people pride themselves on multitasking Mm. and i'm now all about one thing at a time what can i deal with today what is the one thing I can concentrate on today and either fix and make better or do properly? You know, multitasking and being busy, busy, busy. Oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy is worn as a badge of honour. Yeah, it's, um, like, it's like that the term of success is like, oh, how's everything going? Oh, I'm so busy. And then it's I'm like, well, so actually, busy. But that doesn't mean that you're actually yeah, managing I mean, to complete anything. <laughs> that, that, was, that was my phrase before the pandemic. And people would even start their opening gambit to me with, I know you're so busy. Um, but now life is busy but I just sort of break it down I've got I'm I'm not accepting any badges for multitasking I'm taking one task at a time and I just think break it down it's much more manageable what can I what can I deal with today something else can go on the list for tomorrow I love that and you know I feel like we've all discovered new facets and new sides of ourselves and who we are this year obviously motherhood has added a new element for you what do you think you're bringing to the workplace that you didn't necessarily have before I think I'm bringing a lot more emotion this time around um when you work in news as a journalist and news broadcaster producer any, anywhere in a, a newsroom you see a lot of awful things um and you get a sense of detachment you don't become emotionally cold you don't become a robot but you know how to detach yourself 
from a particularly emotional story or emotional pictures. And I think coming back, I found that harder. And that's definitely to do with becoming a mum. Oh gosh, you know, I burst into tears at the drop of a hat. I can't watch any of those charity ads during ad breaks. I'm forever texting three pounds to random numbers. And I've just become so much more emotional. And I remember during the height of the pandemic, I mean, let's not forget we're still in it, having so much respect for my colleagues who were on screen and behind the scenes as well in having to go in every day during the worst time of the crisis and talk about death figures and infection rates and families that couldn't be together and you know this was happening globally they did it every day and I just thought how are they coping you know I had to ration my news intake and I work in it I found it so emotional and then going back the big news story has been Afghanistan and families fleeing children being handed over barbed wire fences to soldiers and I found it so upsetting so upsetting I mean incredibly traumatic yeah um so I brought a lot of emotion to it which I don't think is a bad thing it doesn't make me sound as though I'm on the verge of tears on air all the time I don't think it's a bad thing I think it's made me more empathetic which I like to think I was anyway but yeah I think it's made me a bit softer when it comes to the human interest side of the Mm. news um now that here at FM Foundry we're all about bridging the gap between personal and the professional. So in your day-to-day life and as a career woman to be able to survive and also thrive, what are your needs and non-negotiables? Work and home. I yeah. don't want to blur the two. When I'm at work, I'm at work. When I'm at home, I'm at home. I say no to a lot of extra work now whereas before like I said I was you know, gosh, I was doing a Sky Sports cricket show on a Saturday morning, then I was doing a football show on a Saturday night, then I was doing Sky News Breakfast, then I was doing an afternoon show, then I was doing a Thursday night debate show. I just said yes to everything, whereas now I have my own show at Sky News and I want to do that well. But, you know, when I leave on a Thursday, it's all about the family and that's a non-negotiable for me now. And a friend of mine who went for a job interview uh, it's a he by the way uh, <laughs> he got feedback from the interview and they said the reason he was a standout candidate was because he said that he's a committed family man and he won't be the kind of dad that misses school sports day or school plays or you know after school clubs he wants to do all of that as well as work and it just got me thinking that made him a standout candidate what would it be like if all men that was one of their top requirements when they went Mm. into a job because that would be brilliant for men and women this month one of the main uh, topics for us is women in media and Mm -hmm. you know you just we just touched upon it you started out your career in sports broadcasting for sky covering football and cricket which is a predominantly male dominated industry what was your experience like starting out i mean has the industry changed and if so in what way Massively. I benefited when I um, arrived on the scene, as it were, from a number of great women having already done the groundwork for me. Mm. Jill Douglas, Hazel Irvin, uh, Kirsty Gallagher, Gabby Logan. You know, I'm old enough to know her as Gabby Yorath when she was broadcasting. They had done a lot of the hard work and made female broadcasters in sport 
acceptable. It wasn't the norm, but it was acceptable. And they were respected women because they knew their staff, passionate about their subject, and were just great at their jobs. So I benefited from that. Um, I'd be lying to say, you know, there was there weren't some patronizing uh, men along the way. Um, but in the main, I was supported by male bosses and male colleagues. The patronizing ones were few and far between. And mm. I don't necessarily think that's a reflection of the sporting world I was in. I think that's just a reflection of society, if I'm perfectly honest. And also, it's brilliant to have those role models and to ha- have women in these, you know, high profile jobs that, you know, the next generation can can look up to. And then um, it's not tokenism. People always no. say to me, what advice do you have that women want to get in for women who want to get into politics or women who want to get into sport? It's know your subject if you're passionate about it and you have drive and you really want to succeed you will get there and there's no tokenism anymore nobody's getting there because they look great or because so and so's dad knows so and so people are getting there on merit and if you are good enough and you believe in yourself you will get there but along Mm -hmm. the way a lot of people will tell you you can't do it for various different reasons men and women don't believe them just keep going I love that keep going and you were the first female anchor of sky sunrise the breakfast show on on sky and you took over from Eamon holmes how did that feel when that was announced it was a real shock if i'm perfectly honest i'd been in and around the breakfast show on sky for a number of years as a freelance presenter that was part of my love to work i want to do as many shows as possible about many different subjects as many different subjects as possible and the breakfast show was one of them so looking back on it now now things have settled down and I'm a bit more confident having done the job I should have enjoyed it more in terms of thinking yes I've worked really hard to get here but I was more shocked than anything else I think it comes down to a bit of imposter syndrome you always think oh me um and what I have to keep having a word with myself is that's what all that hard work was for it was working towards that point my dream had always been to work on breakfast television and i got there because i'd worked hard i'd put in the graft i you know learned my trade i was good at my job you know it's okay to say that i was good at my job um so yeah it was incredible and i'm really proud as well the first you know female solo anchor i'm really proud of that because quite rightly you know, so women can do women can do anything <laughs> yeah and and also you'd worked so hard throughout your whole career to get to that point and mm. it's like you did you know you were you deserved that role and you were bloody brilliant at it as well <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much that's what i mean it's this imposter syndrome we it's being talked about a lot more now amongst women and i like to think i i have it every now and again it's like a little friend that comes to visit more often than not, I do have a word myself and leave it at the door, but mm. I will pick it up on the way back out. And I know that at some point I'll dust it back off again. And it's really interesting. You don't hear men talk about no. imposter syndrome. They must have no. it. They're not They're not aliens. They're not a completely different species. They must have it, but nobody talks about it. Yeah. Women are now. Yeah. And it's seen as okay to say, oh, and that's how other people encourage you and lift you up. Yeah by admitting that you sometimes feel like what am i doing here what have i done to deserve this more men should put their hands up and go oh do you know what i feel a bit of that as well we do all have imposter syndrome at times and it's just so good to recognize it and to be open about it what more do you think we can do for women in the media what would you like to see moving forward 
I think there's still a lot of work to be done on screen and behind the scenes in terms of, you know, people look at the surface of media companies in terms of what's on screen, what's in your ears, what you're reading. But there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes to get to that point. So I think we need to keep pushing for parity, a 50-50 job split in all areas of media. Boardroom level as well. I know, I know Sky are working really hard on that in terms of helping women, putting them on courses, you know, helping them where they can so that more women rise up through the ranks because it's in any workplace, women tend to drop off at a certain level. And whether that's because, you know, it's a sad fact that the responsibility of caring does fall on women's shoulders more often than not. And whether that's children or older parents or other members of the family, you know, women can be picked off when it gets to a certain level. And I feel that that conversation is changing. And if anything good can come out of the pandemic, it's keep up the conversation about flexi working or how to work better, how to work more productively, what works for you to make it work for the company and for your family. I think those conversations need to happen because women are disappearing from the workplace a lot of the time, whether that's to do with caring, whether it's to do with the cost of childcare. I just think open dialogue in the media industry and in all industries. And what's your experience been at Sky? I know you've had to take some time off right now. Yeah, the juggle is real this end. I'm actually taking annual leave because we've had a perfect storm where lots of factors have contributed to us not having childcare and (laughs) I've had to take annual leave to look after my daughter which is fine I love spending time with her but it's not ideal is it it's you know I'm lucky that I can do that but I'm hoping we might have it resolved by (laughs) by the end of this month but it's difficult and it doesn't matter what your arrangements are there will always be curveballs I thought I had the childcare licked by the time I got back to work I had plans in place well before I started back at work Um, and they just all fell apart within a month and yeah it's been a struggle so but I'm very open about that and but they made it work and again it's just being honest and saying I'm I'm struggling what can you do and they made it work and I just want to sort of obviously being a woman in in the media and you're you know in in the public eye and you're commenting on current affairs do you have any concerns around this term that we're seeing and this sort of you know huge movement at the moment of of cancel culture i think cancel culture started off from a relatively good place in terms of shutting down people who are racist homophobic um giving out death threats you know whatever i think it started out from a good place if i uh, you know i'm trying to find a better term for it but that's yeah. what i'll use um people are frightened to say things for fear of being cancelled now there is a call out culture as well where people are feeling confident enough to say no you cannot say that that is wrong uh, and in there are very clear-cut instances where of course yeah. you can say that but what it's created is this fear that people can't make mistakes Mm-hmm. and apologize for them and learn from them it becomes a complete pylon and i think that's really worrying in mm-hmm. terms of people are going through historic tweets aren't they and yeah. there is 
a sense that people need to be held accountable and i'm all for that if you say something you need to be held to account for it but be given a chance to explain yes be given a chance to learn from it to grow to apologize because it's all nuanced mm-hmm. um like i said there are very many clear-cut cases but there are even more that aren't and i think the danger with cancel culture is you're not giving people an opportunity to change and i think that's very dangerous and i think everything becomes really polarized nothing's black and white yeah um so i just think it's a really worrying development um an interesting sort of stat that we found from our, our community so on um our research found that 64% of women globally don't trust traditional platforms like Facebook, but they don't know where else to go to create those trusted communities where they can go and have an opinion as a news broadcaster. Do you have any recommendations of where people can go? Well, I'm always going to say Sky News, aren't I? <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, it's interesting. It's quite hard to be um, a journalist at the moment in terms of... There was a certain someone that coined a uh, phrase fake news and Sky News prides itself on being independent and Mm. we work so hard in front of camera and behind camera to bring both sides of a story and to explore it with many different voices and to be independent. Um, There are forums now, I mean you guys are doing great in terms of accountability, that's what matters when it comes to having a debate about current affairs, about anything, about any aspect of life online. I think there are safe spaces for women and men, for for anyone. Platforms that have like-minded people um, or, or platforms that have a you know different cross-section of people, as long as it's properly marshaled by the platform, it's a safe space for people to have a discussion. Mm. And I think there needs to be more of that mm. because what happens is people log on you don't know who they are there's no way of tracing them and they just spout opinions shout all over each other be vile and they can do that because they know it's not going to get traced back to them nobody's going to bother seeking them out and finding out who they are and telling them it's wrong and they can't do that or they you know can't be part of the discussion um so i think traditional media will always win through um but i also think you know a lot of forums especially for women where you are members or you are asked to have some kind of um credentials to log on in terms of you can be traced people mm. can find you you're accountable i think those are the kind of spaces that i think are more constructive more constructive yeah. for debate and yeah. safer like like fem, fem foundry in, yeah, in, in that exactly. sense which is um you know which is brilliant and we're asking our community lots of different uh questions and really discussing all the different challenges that women are facing at the moment and one thing i wanted to share with you um uh, on on ageism actually because you know obviously you've mentioned with sky um you know especially with sky sports you've seen a lot of women come through that mm-hmm. uh, through the ranks and that's becoming a much you know uh, more positive uh, world for women um so what our analysis conducted by the acting your age campaign has found that since 2000 the average age of a bafta leading tv actress has reduced from 52 to 32 now i actually found that quite shocking because i thought we were on sort of a trajectory of being able to have you know you know a a more diverse uh, representation of women across 
uh, you know, different ages across the, the whole industry. So I was really surprised at that. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on it and to see what you think. Yeah, I don't think it's just a problem on screen. I think it's a problem across society, isn't it? The older women get, the more pushed aside they are. And I think we can stop that by having conversations about growing older. It's going to happen to all of us, male or female. And I know through my work judging the Women's Fiction Prize, um, our winner was an older author. Susanna Clark wrote Piranesi, this incredible mind-bending fantasy novel. And part of our discussion um, when we were talking about the shortlist was just how diverse the list was. I mean, in terms of plot, character, themes, but also authors. We had a couple of older authors on there and we were very proud of that because in the publishing industry, you know, um, women get told what they can write about, or you know, you shouldn't write a fantasy novel. You should write about what you know. Susanna Clarke, older author, did what she wanted, has won the Women's Fiction Prize, topping the bestsellers list, will probably get more prizes. And that's something to be celebrated. And the more things Absolutely. like that happen, the more acceptable it is. And I think that it's the same on screen. It's the same in any industry. We need to have a conversation about getting older and about women working longer and adding value. I plan to be a broadcaster for another 10, 20 years. I've got, you know, no intention of, you know, going anywhere. stepping down or going <laughs> yeah. anywhere. Yeah. And if they try to make me, I'll put up a good fight. But it needs to be a conversation. It needs to be about celebrating older voices, older faces. Mm, absolutely. Um, you obviously just mentioned there that you're a judge on the Women's Prize for Fiction in 2021. Uh, what set Susanna Clark apart from the rest of the shortlist? Well, as I said, our shortlist, these amazing books were all so varied. Like, but I think after a year like no other we've got a winner like no other what i loved about this book was it was so original i don't read any fantasy novels i don't know about you it's no. not really my genre um but this you would find i suppose on a fantasy fantasy shelf in a in a bookshop and it was so original so mind-bending with such a great twist at the end it's called piranesi it's incredible and the fact that she was an older author we didn't read that much about the authors and, until we got to the final judging process but it didn't influence our decision at all but i found out she was an older author this was a she hadn't written a book in 17 years wow. since her debut novel and it wasn't until her acceptance speech that she said the reason she hadn't written another book for 17 years until this one was because she'd been diagnosed with chronic fatigue. Wow. So she had um, she had a long illness and it resonates so much with people now in the time of long COVID. And she just talked about being an older woman living with a long illness and how inspiring it is for other people who, you know, are living with the same uh, kind of illness and living in the same situation. I just found that completely inspirational. And also what a brilliant judging panel of women. You had Elizabeth Day, Vic Hope, Bernadine Evaristo and uh, Nezreen Malik. What have you taken away from being a judge and, be and working with that group of women? Massive girl crushes. <laughs> I couldn't have been more excited to join that panel. What a powerhouse of women. Um, 
But again, it comes a little bit back to imposter syndrome in terms of, I thought, what am I doing amongst these women here? What, why do they care what I think about books? You know, do you know what? Oh. I'm surprised that you have imposter syndrome because you're such an incredible broadcaster and you are also so good at what you do. Mm. It's actually really kind of, it's quite amazing to hear you talk, talk, talk well, about it. I think it. everyone has it, but they just mm. don't speak up about it. Like I said, I... I walked in there and I thought, what an incredible group of women. I love strong women. I'm attracted to strong, opinionated women, but I'm also slightly intimidated by them. <laughs> but for me, what makes a, f- a fantastic woman, a fantastic strong woman is generosity. Mm. And all of those women were generous in terms of, you know, the debate got quite feisty because we're all passionately fighting for books we love. And, you know, we're not shy of an opinion. But it was the generosity with which they allowed you, allow, that's the wrong word, the generosity with which they gave you to have a platform to speak and voice your opinions. Through their attitudes towards me and towards each other, I found that really inspiring and mm. um, so I came away from that panel thinking I've made friends for life I mean I don't know if they know that yet they might have already <laughs> deleted my number but I you know I love them yeah strong women you know encouraging other strong women that's the way it should be and I think that's exactly what our vibe is here as well with with Femme Foundry um, now our pillars just sort of finally to round this off our pillars here at Femme Foundry are mental health physical health financial health and spiritual health so this is our yeah. quick fire <laughs> this is where, where I fail my health MOT <laughs> no this is your quick fire so we just want to know uh, if you can share your best piece of advice on each or what your approach to each is and we can keep it it's nice and short and sweet so the first one how do you look after your mental health hugging hugging i'm a big hugger i think we've missed hugging so much during this pandemic i'm all about the hugs always have been and now more so than ever that's rocket for me yeah there you go see it releases oxytocin and makes you feel great so mental health wise a good book judging the women's fiction prizes made me rediscover my love of reading i was such a voracious reader but because of the industry i work in my time is consumed by reading newspapers reading online articles journals you know different things it's all facts 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 yeah um so to be able to escape in fiction is has done wonders for my mental health over this pandemic just being able to switch off and go to another place has been fantastic Mm, I love that. And keeping up your physical health, what is important for you? Half an hour's exercise. And I think what I'm now learning about exercise is just do what you can. Yeah. Um, you know, that helps with mental health as well. I think sometimes people set their bar so high uh, exercise-wise. They're like, I've got to work out five times this week. It's got to be for 45 minutes or an hour. No, do whatever you can that day and make it on a number of days that's manageable. I like that. And how do you take charge of your financial health? Oh, gosh. Like, if only you could see the expression on my face. Um, My financial health, my attitude used to be don't look. In fact, I've got a banking app and it always gives you, it asks you for a phrase. 
so you know that your screen's not being hacked or mirrored and the phrase is don't look so when I log in <laughs> it always says that and that used to be my attitude but now uh, being more mature and having a family and obviously we've got a family house and, and all the bills that come along with that um, I'm having to confront it just confront it good or bad you, you need to know what's going on otherwise yeah. you're in a terrible mess and I found that as soon as I sat down and confronted what was going on I actually slept a lot better at night yeah oh, you're making me know that I now like I, it's I'm such like, a sensible answer I hate I know. no but you're giving me that push I'm like I've got to find my new accountant got to do my tax oh. returns you give it you're giving me the all the heebie-jeebies who um, am I if my past self could listen to my future self in a podcast I'd be unrecognizable like, who, who does I love that and finally spiritual health are you into meditation or anything like oh. that no, I like everyone. I had that app on your phone, um, the famous one, uh, but I just couldn't get into it. My mind is so busy. There's, oh gosh, it's about a million thoughts going round in my head all the time that I just couldn't get on with meditation, yoga. Not bendy enough. I've never been flexible. Uh, well, we spoke about this earlier, but do you have a, a mantra? A mantra? Hell yes or hell no. Love that. Well, listen, SJ, I just want to say a huge, huge thank you for joining us on our very first uh, episode of Profoundly. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, I've really uh, enjoyed it. Thank you. I like to think to I've set you. the bar high. Extremely high. Somewhere very in high. the middle. I'm not sure where we can go from here. <laughs> I'm, sure I'm sure someone will jump over it. <laughs> oh, she's certainly set the bar really high there. The wonderful Sarah Jane Me there on Profoundly. Now, as we mentioned there with SJ, Fem Foundry, we have four pillars that are really important to us. And we believe in taking a holistic view, making sure we're keeping an eye on all of those four pillars that hold us up and help us thrive. These pillars for us are the foundations of our community and we want to help everyone to build their financial, physical, mental and spiritual health. So in this, our first episode, I've called on one of our Fem Foundry leaders to get some quick fire advice. Welcome to Laura Tynan, entrepreneur, business consultant and a visibility and wealth coach. So Laura, are there any healthy habits that you recommend that can help us take control of our finances? So, you know, there's two approaches to creating healthy habits right around money. So the first one is actually looking at how we are generating money firstly within our lives. So if you're working in a corporate, of course, there's a whole conversation around looking at salary negotiations, looking at your bonuses, and you know how are you actually negotiating yourself to have the best reward within a corporate um, position. If you're working within entrepreneurship as a business owner, of course, that's a whole other conversation to have around what are you, like how are you actually focusing on generating income in your business? Because if income generating activities are not your prime focus, then you don't really have a business, you have a really expensive hobby. And so it's really important that we put income and money making at the forefront of everything we do, realizing that the more money we can make, the greater impact we can have. And Laura, how do we become more financially empowered? So the way to become more financially empowered, I think always starts with mindset first. It's actually shifting your view and your relationship with money. Because the reality is with even the best advice, the best strategy in place, unless you have a healthy relationship and a healthy outlook on money, nothing's going to change. So if you see, for example, money is the root of all evil or that people with a lot of money are greedy, then your capacity or your ability to actually generate, want to make more money, even when you have it to save it, hold on to it, it's going to be always limited. So first is always looking at mindset. And then, you know, the impact if we're not becoming financially empowered, it's multiple across every area of our life. And ultimately, money is just an ability to make decisions. 
right? So if you're not empowered with money, it's going to impact your decisions that you make in your job, in your business, whether you start the business, whether you make that investment, whether you grow, what relationship you're in, whether you stay in that relationship, what your family dynamics are, where you spend your time, who you hang out with, like it impacts every single other area of our life. Some great financial advice there from Laura. You can, of course, connect with her on the app and, of course, SJ, who we heard from earlier, and continue this conversation online. Thank you so much for joining me on this, our first episode. I'll be back next week with a brand new leader with some words of wisdom. In the meantime, please do let us know what you thought of the episode. Uh, You can, of course, subscribe, rate us, and give us a follow on Instagram at FemFoundryApp at PipsTaylor. I'll see you next time.